wonderful and palatial UltimateSportsTalk.com radio studios. Good evening, everyone. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight for the NFL Draft Edition of the Ultimate Sports Talk Show. We're going to sit back, and I'm going to give you my predictions as to what's going to happen an hour from now in New York City in the 2014 NFL College Football Draft. And believe me, it is about time. I am so sick and tired of talking about the same individuals over and over and over again. I really don't care if I ever see Johnny Manziel throw another pass. I really don't care if I never see the hit that Jadavian Clowney made in the Gator Bowl two years ago against the Michigan running back. I really don't care if I ever hear Greg Robinson's name again. And quite frankly, as an Ohio State Buckeye fan, I really don't want to see Sammy Watkins again unless he's in a Browns uniform. But that is what we are going to discuss tonight for the final time. Roger Goodell got his wish, everyone. He got his wish. He extended the draft out three weeks into May just simply so they would get another three weeks' worth of coverage out of it and take the draft into May so they could say that the NFL was a year-long sporting event. Quite frankly, I could care less at this point in time. Three weeks ago, I was ready. And, get this, there's talk that Goodell wants to push this out another two weeks further and start taking the draft on the road, taking it out of New York City because they have not signed their lease again at the arena where they hold it now, and they want to take it out on the road, and they want to make sure that they have good weather, so in case they go to places like Cleveland, Detroit, Buffalo, if Buffalo's going to have a pro football team in the next few years, we don't know about that. Roger Goodell has already made his statement that he thinks the Bills need a new stadium. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But nonetheless, what you're looking at right now is a draft procedure that may be in the middle of May rather than the middle of April. And my question is, when are these rookies ever going to get the opportunity to practice with their team prior to training camp and get themselves ready to come out and play professional football? That's the big question. Forget about Johnny Manziel and whether or not he's pro football ready. He'll never be ready for training camp if he doesn't get a pro football playbook and can study it prior to two weeks before he goes to training camp. There's no quarterback that can learn the NFL playbook in that short a period of time. Nonetheless, hey, thanks for joining us here tonight. You can also join the program simply by emailing me at dmitch at ultimatesportstalk.com or you can send me a tweet. My Twitter address is at OHBB co-host. There's a lot going on in tonight's world of sports, and there's the NBA playoffs that are continuing their progress down the road, which will probably end sometime in the middle of June. You've also got the NHL playoffs, which seem to be merrily skating along on the ice. They're getting along a lot faster than the NBA playoffs are, and the NHL took two weeks off in the middle of the season just to go play in the Olympics. Get into that a little bit later on also. Mark Jackson was fired. 
out of the NBA. And I've got a real heartwarming story for you at the end of tonight's show. All that coming up on tonight's Ultimate Sports Talk show. Thanks for joining us. But first... Well, you know what that music means. It's time to talk NFL. Hopefully this will be the last time we talk about the NFL until the middle of July when training camps are starting to begin. But tonight, in New York City, in just a little less than an hour, Roger Goodell will take his familiar spot behind the podium and introduce the 2014 NFL College Football Player Draft. And tonight, I'm going to go 1 through 32, what I think is going to happen in tonight's first round. Tomorrow night will be the second round, and then Saturday will be the remainder of the rounds. Of course, everyone knows about Jadavian Clowney out of South Carolina. Everybody knows about Johnny Manziel, and Johnny Manziel is the most polarizing figure in tonight's NFL draft. Where is he going to go? Will it be number one? Will it be even in the first round? Will it be in the middle of the first round? Will teams trade up to get him? Will teams trade trade down to get him? Who knows? But Johnny Manziel certainly has no problems telling you what should happen. And he's also told you that he has absolutely no fear of embracing the challenge of turning around a losing team. A team like Houston. A team like Tennessee. A team like Cleveland, a team like Jacksonville. Oh, wait. It's all a public smokescreen, at least in Jacksonville, because the rumors have it that Manziel is not thrilled with the possibility of being drafted by Jacksonville. The apparent reason is that it is the 32nd ranked market size in the NFL, and that concerns Johnny Football when it comes to branding his future superstar. Manziel's agent, Eric Burkhart flatly denied the report, telling ProFootballTalk.com the report was not true. But this does come on the heels of a separate report yesterday that there is growing momentum toward the Houston Texans selecting Manziel number one overall, but this type of info is scaring them and a lot of other pro football teams away. The NFL Network's Charlie Casserly spoke on the Dan Patrick Show yesterday about where he thinks Manziel is going to land. And St. Louis is a very possible destination. St. Louis, okay, that's the team that has me concerned, confused, or whatever, whether they'll take Manziel. I had two sources that I thought were pretty good say, hey, uh, this guy won't get past 13 in St. Louis. St. Louis is considering him uh, seriously, okay? So that that's kind of my wild card in this thing. But on the other teams, I don't see Houston at one, no. Jacksonville at three, no. Cleveland, unless the owner decides he's going to be the general manager and make the pick, no at four. Uh, Oakland, absolutely no. And Minnesota, absolutely no. So where's Menzel going? Teams have doubts about if his game will transfer to the NFL. And that, coupled with some of the -the off-the-field intrigue, again has teams scurrying from the Texas A&M star, according to Casserly. Menzel, uh... We can discuss all day the football part of it on the tape. 
Uh, and, and he's a boomer or bust in my mind, a lot of positives, a lot of negatives. But there's a whole litany of questions that got to be answered off the field. I think that Oakland uh, would want something more sure and safer at five than having to, to figure out uh, the off-the-field part of it uh, and the project you'd have on that end of it. Uh, let, let's leave it for maturity and, and dedication to the game. I just feel, and there's things you can't discuss on the air, but there's things to me, questions that I've got from confidential sources. So those are things to me that have to be answered with the guy. Uh, and they are, are turning points. Casserly has got some info that he does not want to release. You can tell it there in that clip on the Dan Patrick Show. There is something in the background of Johnny Manziel that these NFL teams are worried about. Now, another thing has come out. Manziel's family members are actually pushing for the Texans to pass on Johnny football because they're hoping Manziel can avoid the distractions and potential partying pitfalls of living, working, and possibly playing in his hometown. That's another reason that teams are shying away from him. If I were a team that was considering drafting Charles, uh, Johnny Manziel, my rules to Johnny Manziel would be this. You are not allowed to do any endorsements in your first year, and you are to stay off of Twitter. Period. End of story. There will be absolutely no outside endorsements going on outside the team or interviews that we do not approve at least 24 to 48 hours in advance. That's what I would tell Johnny Menzel. If he can live with that, fine. If he cannot live with it, well, then he's not the quarterback for my team. As far as I'm concerned, these quarterbacks are a dime a dozen in this lot. Everybody thinks that Johnny Manziel is the top quarterback. That may be the case, but there is not much difference between Johnny Manziel and going through the remainder of the quarterbacks, Bortles, Bridgewater, McCarron, Mettenberger, Murray. There's not much difference. Derek Carr between those quarterbacks. I think you can get. And another thing, remember this. Because of the new collective bargaining agreement between the owners and the players, anyone drafted in the first round gets an automatic five-year guaranteed contract. That's fine. Now, any player selected in round two gets a four-year guaranteed contract, which means you can cut yourself loose from a quarterback who's a failure in four years rather than five. And that is a big thing to keep in mind when you're looking at tonight's draft. But that's going to happen in about 50 minutes from now. The number one team on the clock is the Houston Texans. So let's start my mock draft for 2014 here at UltimateSportsTalk.com. The Houston Texans are on the clock. They need offensive players, especially quarterback. This was a team that the only reason they didn't compete last year was because of injuries, injuries, injuries. This is a team that could make a dramatic jump, and if they get the right situation for a quarterback, conceivably, they could go to the Super Bowl next year based upon the talent that they have already on this team and the change in coaches. Well, Manziel is not going to be the pick for Houston. So what is going on with Johnny Manziel? Again, 
Let's look at the polarizing quarterback from Texas A&M and how it relates to Houston. And let's talk to Fox Sports' Jay Glazier. Two legs everybody's talking about are those two legs of Johnny Manziel. And where is he going to go? Where he's not going to go, he's not going to go to the Cleveland Browns. He's not going to go to the Oakland Raiders. There's rumors Tampa Bay is trying to move up to two to get him. They're not going to move up to two to get him. But the crazy thing about Johnny Manziel, he's the number one rated quarterback on every board of everybody I talk to. It's not Bortles. It's not Bridgewater. Guys like that. But the thing about Johnny Manziel is even right now, tonight, there are meetings with teams. If we get a guy like Manziel, we've got to protect ourselves. We don't know how long he could stick around health-wise. But Johnny Manziel is the number one rated quarterback on almost every team's board I talk to. Now, everything else there in the top ten, there's linemen, there's wide receivers. The two wide receivers are Watkins. He's very hot. Mike Evans, he's flown way up draft boards in recent days. And the three big tackles up there also. Robinson, Matthews, and Lawan. They're looking at right now. Matthews and Lawan are two guys they say right now they can come and play right away. Robinson has the more upside than those two guys. He has a huge upside, but even as much as there's influx with a guy like Johnny Manziel, I can never remember a draft. We're going into the draft day. The next day, teams are still meeting. They're not sure. Teams in the top five, teams in the top ten, Still not sure which way they want to go. And I'm talking five, six, seven, eight. I'm talking about five, six, seven, eight with the picks. Yeah, I can tell you right now that this whole thing could be jumbled up in pick number two, depending upon how many trades go on after Houston takes the pick. Now, from what I understand, from what I've seen through sources throughout the NFL, the Texans would trade this number one pick, but what they're asking for are three number ones and a number two. Anybody who would give that up for the number one pick in this draft is absolutely nuts. So I think Houston's going to keep the pick. Manziel won't be the pick. Their pick will be Jadavian Clowney out of South Carolina. He is a mix of Bruce Smith and Lawrence Taylor. You cannot pass on this guy. He has got to be the number one pick. I don't care if Houston is the pick, Atlanta is the pick, or St. Louis or Tampa Bay is the pick. Jadavian Clowney is the number one clear-cut choice in this year's draft. The second pick of the 2014 NFL Draft belongs to the St. Louis Rams. They need offensive linemen and secondary help. And they seem to be interested in Johnny Manziel to take over for Bradford. But I don't see that happening. I really don't see Manziel going to the Rams. I don't see the Rams trading up to get him. I see them taking the left tackle out of Auburn, Greg Robinson. And why? This guy is as close to Hall of Fame left tackle Anthony Munoz of the Cincinnati Bengals as you can get. Greg Robinson, the second pick in the 2014 NFL Draft. The third pick in the NFL Draft this year belongs to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they could go any which way but up with this draft. They need a quarterback, wide receiver, linebacker, secondary help. Khalil Mack of Buffalo would go very well with Jacksonville. Then again, he would really go good just about anywhere. But the big story came out earlier this week when Jacksonville disclosed that Justin Blackman, who was suspended at the end of last year, will probably miss the entire 2014 NFL season due to drug abuse situations in the NFL. With that in tow, I see Jacksonville going to Clemson, and taking the best wide receiver in the draft today, Sammy Watkins, out of Clemson. And everybody who saw 
the bowl game between Ohio State and Clemson knows Sammy Watkins is the best wide receiver in college football today. That brings us to the number four pick in the 2014 NFL Draft, and that pick belongs to the Cleveland Browns. They need a quarterback, inside linebackers, offensive line help, especially a guard, defensive backs. They need a cornerback, and they need another safety. Khalil Mack, again, is a prime target for the Browns. I think Mike Pettin would love to have Khalil Mack. The problem is, if you take Mack, you have got four outside linebackers, and Khalil Mack really would not go well moving to the inside in the NFL game. I can see if this scenario plays out, where Clowney, Robinson, and Watkins are gone, I could see the Browns trading down, maybe to number six with Atlanta, or even number nine to Buffalo, possibly number ten to Detroit, picking up a couple of more draft picks and exchanging first-round picks, and then going for an offensive lineman. So what will the Browns do? Let's go to Cleveland right now, and Aditi Kinkabawala. The word of the day here is quarterback. So what do we know? Mike Pettin has said that he does not want to start a rookie quarterback this year. He's also said that with the fourth overall pick, he wants someone he can start. So that leaves the 26th pick today. Now, when Pettin and I talked this week, he said the Browns have been very specific in where they slot quarterbacks on their draft board. They all automatically get an extra boost in their grade simply because of the position they play. He told me that there are four or five that he thinks can be a starter in this league. So now here's where the intrigue comes into play. If there's a run on quarterbacks before that 26th pick, will the Browns feel pressed to further inflate those quarterback grades and maybe take a guy that they had a lower grade on? Well, I think what the Browns will do tonight if they keep the number four pick, they'll go for an offensive lineman. And if they are going to try to sell an offensive lineman to the Cleveland media and the fans, it has got to be somebody with a sexy name in the Cleveland market. There's only one offensive lineman with that sexy name, and that's Jake Matthews, the offensive tackle at Texas A&M. The reason? Bruce Matthews' his father, Clay Matthews, his uncle. Clay Matthews played with the Browns for 16 years. Very great linebacker for the Browns. Probably a Hall of Famer down the road. Bruce Matthews, a great offensive lineman for the Houston Oilers and Tennessee Titans. Another one that's probably a Hall of Famer down the road. I see Jake Matthews landing in Cleveland, and that would be a... Even though the Matthews name is well-known around Cleveland, it would still be a hard sell. Nonetheless, if the Browns keep that pick, I would go for Jake Matthews, the offensive tackle, put him at right tackle, and in a couple of years he can flip-flop Matthews and Thomas. Matthews going to left tackle, Thomas going to right tackle, and extend Thomas's career. The number five pick in the 2014 NFL Draft belongs to the Oakland Raiders. They're a mystery. They need an offensive lineman, a linebacker, defensive backs, quarterbacks. They've got Matt Schaub from Houston to play quarterback this year, but just what are they going to do tonight? Well, Let's go out to California and find out what they plan on doing with Omar Ruiz. Reggie McKenzie's phone lines remain open here in Oakland. That's what they did last year. They traded out of the number three spot down to number 12 in a trade with the Miami Dolphins. They also got a second-round selection 
out of that trade. So Reggie McKenzie has said he would be open to doing the exact same thing this year. Now, if they do hold on to this pick, here are three names to look out for. Taylor Lewan, the offensive tackle from Michigan. They love his nastiness and tenacity. Conventional wisdom would tell you that he could be there at number five. Now, a couple of guys they would hope would slide to them at number five. Now, if you saw Mike Mayock's mock draft, you would see that Sammy Watkins could be in play at number five. They feel that he is a great transcendent player and might be too good to pass up. Then on the defensive side of the ball, Khalil Mack, the linebacker from Buffalo, is someone who they feel can make an immediate impact. To me, this is a no-brainer. Khalil Mack is the choice for the Oakland Raiders. He will drop no farther than number five to the Raiders, and Mack is ready to go. Uh, it's, it's a little crazy. It's a little crazy town, uh, but even then, um, it's a blessing. I'm blessed to be in the position that I'm in. Uh, even then, um, they, they see they see the film. Um, they know I'm a hard worker. They know I'm a guy that can get on the field and make plays. Uh, but even then, it's all about being a football player. And, um, even then, this process is just the first step. So, after first pick, so what? Uh, i got to go out and prove myself. And that's what I'm ready to do. Now comes the number six pick in the NFL draft. That's the Atlanta Falcons. They're in the same boat as the Houston Texans. Injuries really killed this team this year. They were a Super Bowl contender, but injuries knocked them right out of the playoffs. They need offensive line help and defensive line help, and their priority in this draft is to protect their franchise quarterback, Matt Ryan. Now, they could trade up. They could trade down. What's their plan? Let's go to Georgia and Rich Hollenberg. Falcons' philosophy, draft for need, and their two biggest needs coming into this draft, protecting their quarterback, Matt Ryan, and sacking the opponent's quarterback. I spoke to a Falcons official already in New York for the draft. He told me they've narrowed their top choice down to five players, the two top pass rushers, Clowney and Mack, and the three top offensive tackles, Greg Robinson, Jake Matthews, and Taylor Lewan. The official telling me, quote, we're open to moving up or down, but we're content staying put. We're confident we can address a need at six. Well, with Robinson gone to St. Louis and Jake Matthews gone to Cleveland, that leaves only one of their top five left. And the pick for the Atlanta Falcons at number six, Taylor Luan, the left tackle from Michigan. Then comes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who today made a lot of noise that they were interested in drafting Johnny Manziel. The Buccaneers, new coach, Lovey Smith, conservative coach, loves to run the ball, play great defense. He needs a quarterback, offensive line, and wide receivers. But right now, Mike Glennon is the man at quarterback for Lovey Smith. Now, does Lovey believe in Mike Glennon? Is he willing to go another year and see if Glennon is the man? Well, if yes, they go to receiver. If not, they go quarterback. I say not. I think Lovey Smith will go for a quarterback. But is it Johnny Manziel? No. I don't think Manziel fits the conservative nature of Lovey Smith. My pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the first quarterback selected, Blake Bortles, the quarterback from Central Florida. This gives Tampa Bay an opportunity to give Glennon a year in the job to see if it works for him. And it gives Bortles a chance to sit back and learn for a year, which is what many people think he needs. The number eight team in the draft this year at the 2014 NFL Draft is the Minnesota Vikings. 
another team that needs a quarterback. They need a defensive back. They need a linebacker. And there is no quarterback that Minnesota likes well enough to be the number eight pick, even though they declined to pick up the option on Christian Ponder's contract for a fifth year this past week. So what do the Vikings do? To find out what they do in Minnesota, besides build a new stadium, we go to Albert Breer. We're back on a lot of people's mind here in Minnesota, and the Vikings have done all of their homework. Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, and Norv Turner traveled the country over the last couple months looking at these prospects. They had on-campus visits with nine quarterbacks, Johnny Manziel, Teddy Bridgewater, Blake Bortles, Zach Mettenberger, Jimmy Garoppolo, A.J. McCarron, Derek Carr, Tom Savage, and David Fields. Now to that group, they brought Savage and Bridgewater here to Minnesota to get a second look at them, but they're not going to force anything. Rick Spielman told me what he really likes about his spot at eighth overall. They should have the pick of the litter at several different positions. That could mean a cornerback like Justin Gilbert, a linebacker like C.J. Mosley, a defensive tackle like Aaron Donald. The Vikings have identified five to six players that they'd be comfortable taking with that eighth overall pick. And additionally, they've had discussions with five different teams about trading down. Sounds like they're very, very open to doing that. And I think Minnesota will be active tonight, but will they take any of the players that Albert Breer just mentioned? I don't think so. I think their pick, if they stay where they're at at number eight, will be the free safety out of Alabama. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix. Hard-hitting, linebacker-type safety, and Minnesota needs somebody like that to play center field on their defense. Then comes the number nine team, the Buffalo Bills in the 2014 NFL Draft. They need a wide receiver, a defensive back, and a linebacker. And if they keep this pick, they will go for a wide receiver to pair up with second-year quarterback E.J. Manuel. And falling into their lap is probably the second-best wide receiver in this draft, Mike Evans out of Texas A&M, who made Johnny Manziel look very good on several throws. Believe me, Mike Evans is a steal for Buffalo at number nine. Then comes number ten. The Detroit Lions need a tight end, wide receiver, and cornerback. To me, this is a no-brainer for the Lions. They need a partner on the inside for Calvin Johnson, somebody to take away the double team from Johnson to make him more explosive. That means the pick here, tight end Eric Ebron out of North Carolina. He's really a tight end, but more of a wide receiver. That's what he is. He's not a very good blocker, but he's an excellent pass catcher. I see them going for Eric Ebron out of North Carolina. At number 11 is the Tennessee Titans. Now, we heard last week that the Titans are interested in Teddy Bridgewater. They need a quarterback because they're not sure if Jake Locker can actually stay healthy enough to quarterback the entire year. They need a defensive lineman. A cornerback. They also need a left tackle. Again, the dilemma here is there's no quarterback worth taking at this spot. Even though they do love Teddy Bridgewater and Derek Carr, I think they go defense. Even though Ken Wisenhunt is an offensive coach. The pick here, Justin Gilbert, the cornerback out of Oklahoma State. At number 12 is the New York Giants. They need a tight end, an inside linebacker, and a safety. They wanted Eric Ebron, but he's gone to Detroit. So their pick, what are the Giants without a great linebacker in the mold 
of a speedy Lawrence Taylor. Not as big, doesn't hit as hard, but is probably just as fast. And that would be inside linebacker out of Alabama, C.J. Mosley. The only detriment to Mosley that I see is that Alabama players lately have not transferred their talents into the professional ranks the way many have thought they would. I think that changes with Mosley and Dixon. At number 13 comes the St. Louis Rams. They have two first-round picks, as do the Cleveland Browns. But the Rams' two first-round picks are in the top 13. And the Rams, here at 13, will look for defense with this pick. And I can see them going to Pittsburgh and selecting defensive tackle Aaron Donald. And when you put him in the middle of that line, I think you're going to see the Rams' defense improve. Number 14 comes the Chicago Bears. Of course, you remember the Bears released Devin Hester during the free agent period, so they need a shutdown cornerback to replace Hester. Whom better to go to than just over the lake to Michigan State and East Lansing, where they can pick up cornerback Darquez Denard. He's the guy that I really wanted for the Browns, but nonetheless, Denard is the entire package. Speed, height, hitting, coverage. He is it. And the Bears, if he falls into their lap, will be getting a steal at number 14. And at number 15, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers, another team needing a shutdown cornerback. The pick here, cornerback Kyle Fuller out of Virginia Tech. I see the Steelers going for him. And that leaves us with the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys have been making all sorts of noise this week. Jerry Jones saying, boy, it would be tough to not take Johnny Manziel. Well, forget Manziel even if he is available, because the one thing that I've heard over the past two days is that Tony Romo does not want Johnny Manziel breathing down his neck on the sideline. And that is the problem you've got with Manziel, the circus that comes with him. And can he not play for a year or two, and learn the NFL game without causing problems. I don't think Dallas is going to do this. Now, Dallas has got so many holes. They've been 8-8, eight and eight, and it seems like forever, missing out on the playoffs just by a game for the past three years. They need an offensive lineman, a defensive backer, some linebackers. And I think in this draft, on the very first pick, they'll go for an offensive lineman to help protect Tony Romo, who's coming off at age 34, his second back surgery. I see them taking, out of Notre Dame, the offensive tackle, or he could play guard, Zach Martin from the Fighting Irish. Let's pick up with the 17th pick in the 2014 NFL Draft. That belongs to the Baltimore Ravens. They're looking for an outside linebacker. They're also looking for an offensive lineman because they need to replace Michael Orr, who signed a free agent contract with the Tennessee Titans. My pick here for the Baltimore Ravens comes from Alabama. They're going to take an offensive tackle, Cyrus Quanjo. Quanjo is a big left tackle who could also play right tackle, but we'll see where Baltimore puts him. Of course, Baltimore always believes in having a strong line on both sides of the ball, and Quanjo out of Alabama will increase the strength of that line. That will be a step up over Michael Orr, believe me. The number 18 pick goes to the New York Jets. Well, the Jets 
Who are they going to go with? Are they going to go with Michael Vick, a quarterback, or will it be Geno Smith? What will Rex Ryan decide to do? Whatever they decide to do at quarterback, they need a wide receiver with breakaway speed. They need to be able to help out the quarterback, whether it's Vic or Geno Smith. That's why I see going to the New York Jets at number 18, wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. from LSU. He made Zach Mettenberger look extremely well. They ran a pro offense under Cam Cameron at LSU this year, and Beckham might be one of the finest wide receivers out there. I've got him ranked number four, right behind Watkins, Evans, and Marquise Lee of USC. The problem with Marquise Lee is he's coming off of an injury, didn't play this year, but had he come out last year, he would have been one of the top five picks in the draft. Odell Beckham Jr. from LSU going to the New York Jets at number 18. At number 19, and everybody knows the soap opera belonging to the Miami Dolphins and their offensive line dilemmas. So what are they looking for? Offensive linemen, offensive linemen, and offensive linemen. Let's just put it this way. They need to replace three offensive linemen. So they need an offensive lineman. So what do they go with? Yes, they're going with an offensive lineman. They're going to go with tackle Morgan Moses out of Virginia, who is a mammoth of a man and led Virginia to a winning season this year. Morgan Moses will be playing left tackle for the Miami Dolphins next season. At number 20 in the 2014 NFL Draft, it's the Arizona Cardinals. They are going to be looking at quarterback, offensive line, and they also are in dire need of a safety. They need to replace Carson Palmer. If I had a drum roll or a trumpet roll here, I would play it because here is where I think Johnny Manziel is going to end up. My pick for the Arizona Cardinals, Johnny Manziel of Texas A&M will end up in Arizona. I really think that is going to be a great pick for them. Bruce Arians is a great quarterbacks coach. He's worked with some of the best. Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger. He worked with Carson Palmer a year ago. Palmer's only got a year or two left. He was ready to retire, remember, three years ago. So Johnny Menzel, the pick for the Arizona Cardinals. At number 21 in the 2014 NFL Draft, it's the Green Bay Packers. They need defensive line help, linebacker, cornerback. Basically, if it's on defense, they need help with it. They need help on defense and only defense. So the pick here comes out of the University of Minnesota, someone who is used to playing in the cold weather, and it's Rashid Hagman, the defensive end from Minnesota. You pair him up with B.J. Raji, and the Packers are going to have a nice defensive line. Not great, just nice. But Hagman can develop into something great with Green Bay. Then comes the Philadelphia Eagles at number two. Everybody would think that they would want a wide receiver, taking into consideration that they have dropped Deshaun Jackson, and he's gone to Washington. Well, you would probably be wrong, because what Chip Kelly wants with the Eagles is a linebacker, someone who can rush the passer on a consistent basis and make plays on defense. He's an offensive coach, but he knows his bread is going to be buttered 
by a defensive playmaker. And one guy at this position fits that bill for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he comes from a pro-style defense. That's linebacker Anthony Barr from UCLA. I see Barr going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Then at number 23 comes the Kansas City Chiefs. They need to plan ahead for Alex Smith. Yes, Alex Smith started out last year like a house of fire. And then when injury set in with the Chiefs, they had to depend upon Alex Smith, and they couldn't play the game management game with him anymore. Andy Reid is known as a quarterback guru. And I see the pick here being quarterback Terry Terry Bridgewater of Louisville. Bridgewater needs to sit, and he can do that behind 32-year-old Alex Smith for a year or two and learn the NFL game. Now, the problem with Bridgewater is that his release is suspect. But Andy Reid can help work that out. Then comes number 24, the Cincinnati Bengals. They're concerned about Andy Dalton as their quarterback. But I don't see them taking a quarterback at this spot in the first round. They also want to help out their defense, which means that they want another shutdown corner. If there's one spot in this draft that there are plenty of is corner. Another position is wide receiver, but corner, there are a lot of cornerbacks out there. And I see the Bengals taking cornerback Jason Verrett of Texas Christian University. At number 25 is the San Diego Chargers, and they're slowly moving into being a defensive-oriented team, away from the offensive-oriented team that they had under Norv Turner. So what are they going to take in this year's draft? I see them taking, again, a defensive lineman. I think they're going to go with defensive tackle Coney Ely out of Missouri, and I think that's going to be an outstanding pick for the San Diego Chargers. He will thrive in San Diego. Then comes number 26, the Cleveland Browns, their second pick in this first round. With the cornerbacks gone, they could go running back. They could go linebacker. But I think what they're going to do here, I don't think they're going to take a chance. I think they are going to go right away with quarterback. And I think the pick that they've wanted all along is Derek Carr, out of Fresno State. And according to Joel Clack of Fox Sports, Carr could be the sleeper in this draft. For me, I don't think it's Manziel that we're going to be talking about in the first round because he's going to go in the top ten and everyone's going to be excited in that city. But there's going to be some movement late in the first round with other quarterbacks. And I think Derek Carr is going to slide into the first round because of the new CBA in the NFL. It is more advantageous for a franchise to draft a quarterback in the first round because they get locked up for that fifth-year team option. So, therefore, you've got teams like Oakland, Houston, Jacksonville, and Minnesota. There are questions about whether those teams are going to take a quarterback in the top ten. Well, now they can use their second-round pick, trade into the late first round, and take a kid like Derek Carr. He's mature. He's got a strong arm, very quick quick, uh, release. He's a strong leader, and he's the guy that I think a lot of franchises are going to try to move up to get. And I think the Browns will take him at number 26. And they'll be happy that they've got him. Now, will he start the first year? No. As we heard earlier, Mike Pettin does not want a quarterback that will start his first year. He wants a quarterback to sit and watch the game under Brian Hoyer this year. And that is what Carr will do with the Cleveland Browns. Then comes the New Orleans Saints. 
who have been keeping their quarterback, Drew Brees, up late at night wondering who's going to play center. Well, tonight they will answer that question for Drew. They're going to be taking center Marcus Martin out of USC. He is an athletic player and very, very smart, and he'll learn from the best in Drew Brees. Marcus going to the New Orleans Saints. At number 28 in the 2014 NFL Draft, it's the Carolina Panthers. Now, Carolina was a surprise team last year. They dropped Steve Smith, so they need a wide receiver. But you've also got to remember that they are a defensive-oriented team, too. So I see a defensive end going to Carolina in this pick. And that pick would be Dominique Easley from Florida. Now, the problem with Easley and why he has dropped so far down the chart and may even drop into the second round if Carolina doesn't take him here is because he's got so many knee problems. He's had two ACL knee problems in the last two years. That is a definite drawback. But I see Carolina taking a flyer here on him. Or they could go Marquise Lee out of USC also to take the place of Steve Smith. Number 29, I'm not hearing anything about the New England Patriots, but I think there is only one player that is left on the board that to me is a slam dunk for Bill Belichick. They need someone to help Tom Brady. They Sure, they need a tight end, but this draft is not stocked with tight ends. Yes, they need receivers. If Marquise Lee is there, they may take him at this spot. But really what I see out of New England, they want a running back. Carlos Hyde, the running back out of Ohio State, fits the New England offensive game plan to a T. Tom Brady, a Michigan man, could be handing off to Carlos Hyde, an Ohio State running back, next year in New England. Now, come the last three picks of the draft, 30, 31, 32. 30 is San Francisco, 31 Denver, 32 Seattle. San Francisco and Seattle have the same dilemma right now. Neither one of them don't want the first-round pick because they have salary cap problems. So San Francisco and or Seattle will probably trade out of the first round. Matter of fact, I'm hearing sources say that the Browns, who have the 35th pick in the second round, may pair that one with a fourth-round pick and move into San Francisco's spot at number 30 or number 32 and make that deal, giving them three first-round draft picks. But let's say that they don't, and San Francisco does stay at number 30. I think they're going to take cornerback Bradley Roby out of Ohio State. Now, I'm not high on Bradley Roby. Other NFL scouts are. But Bradley Roby, to me, I think is a definite project and could be a problem off the field. He got into a lot of trouble at Ohio State without money. I could just about imagine what's going to happen with Roby when he starts getting money in his pocket. But I'm going to send Bradley Roby to San Francisco for the 49ers. At number 31, after the showing in the Super Bowl last year, the Denver Broncos, you would think that they need help on the defensive side of the ball. And you're probably right. But they also want to make sure that Peyton Manning, in his last one, two, three years he has left, 
is going to be well protected. If you remember, the games that Peyton Manning played where he wasn't hit are the games that Denver won big. And in the game against Seattle, they put pressure on Peyton constantly in that Super Bowl game. And Manning could never get into a groove. That's why I think Denver goes for an offensive lineman and the best offensive lineman available right now, Juwan James out of Tennessee, and he'll move into that right tackle spot. And the final pick at number 32 in the 2014 NFL Draft, like I said, another team that doesn't want a number one pick, that's the Seattle Seahawks. They will probably trade this pick, but if they do stay in this spot, I see them taking defensive end Dominique Easley out of Florida. Dominique Easley going to the Seattle Seahawks. Now, let me throw this out at you. If the Browns do what I'm thinking they're going to do and move up to this 30 or 32nd spot, I don't think they're going to take Bradley Roby. I think if Marquise Lee from USC is available, that's who they will take at that 30 or 32nd spot in the first round. That's my guess for the Cleveland Browns. But that's only round one. There are several more players left, as always. There's another six rounds to go in this NFL draft. And there's a lot of sleeper picks and a lot of superstars that are going to be selected this year in those final six rounds. And for those players, we go to CBS Sports' Jason Lockhead for it, and he tells us who to look out for. I've got a few deep sleepers for you here. Let's start with Jordan Love out of Towson. His teammate Terrence West, a running back, could go as high as the second round. Love has decent size for a corner. He opened eyes at the Towson Pro Day. There were about 26 teams there. He jumped a 37-inch vertical leap. They got enticed. New England, Atlanta set up late private workouts with him. They like him. Justin Jones, East Carolina, tight end. Didn't even play football in 2013. Academically ineligible. But at six foot eight and with a 37-inch vertical himself, He's open eyes. He went to a regional pro day in Detroit, New England, Kansas City, the Giants among the teams on him. And finally, let's go up to Canada, McGill University. Laurent Devaney Tardif, big tackle, only practiced one day a week. He was a medical student up in Canada. Teams love him, nine teams at his pro day, Indianapolis, Seattle, San Francisco, Buffalo, just some of the teams that spent time with him. And I'll tell you another guy that I like is from LSU, Jeremiah Hill. Had some problems in the offseason, uh, off the field. But I like this kid as a running back coming out of LSU. Some other quarterbacks that I like, I, I love A.J. McCarron. I think he's a great pick. I think he'll end up in New England. I also like Jimmy Garoppolo from Eastern Illinois. Same college that Tony Romo went to. Whoever picks him up, he's a project, but he's got a lot of upside. The guy that I think is overrated right now, Tom Savage out of Pittsburgh. He wasn't able to make it at Arizona, wasn't able to make it at Rutgers. He had one decent year at Pittsburgh. He's very, very big. He's a Ben Roethlisberger clone. Has a gun for an arm, but so did Brandon Whedon, and look where he ended up. And one other thing I want to point out to you on this year's NFL draft. If you notice in my mock draft, there were no Florida State players selected in the first round. Little trivia question for you. Maybe you can win a beer at a bar some night. When was the last time a national championship team in college football did not have a player selected in the first round? you got to go all the way back to 2002 and the Ohio State Buckeyes. There you go. You can win a beer with that trivia question. Now, just a couple of other quick headlines in the NFL I want to let you know about. 
Commissioner Roger Goodell is saying that the Bills will remain in Buffalo, but he is suggesting the franchise is going to need a new stadium to ensure its long-term viability. In calling the Bills' recently negotiated 10-year lease agreement a short-term solution, Goodell said on Wednesday that a new stadium would be the next step in securing the team's long-term future. You know this was going to come to pass because in the last five years, the NFL has staged a preview game in Toronto for the Bills to always go play one of their home games in the Sky Dome. You knew that was going to happen. Now, if this comes about where Buffalo moves, I want to see what the Browns fans are going to do because if you remember when the Browns moved to Baltimore, it was two cities that really paid an instrumental role in the Browns coming back, and that was Buffalo and Pittsburgh. And Minnesota leaders have offered their cooperation in the Minneapolis bid to host the 2018 Super Bowl, but they've drawn the line on exempting player salaries from state income tax. See, what happens when a Super Bowl is held in a city, the players' salaries that they receive in that game are taxable to the state via their income state tax. But the NFL always has managed to negotiate that out in order to allow the Super Bowl to come to that city. But Governor Mark Dayton, as well as Democrat and Republican legislative leaders in Minnesota, are saying, uh-uh, that's not going to happen. That will not be a part of our negotiations with the NFL. Let's drop down into college football here this evening, where Joe Paterno's relatives are attempting to rewrite history and ignore reality as they seek to overturn a $60 million fine and other NCAA violations against Penn State because of the Jerry Sandusky child sex abuse scandal. NCAA attorneys are stating the obvious and asking a judge to dismiss a lawsuit filed by the late Penn State football coach's family. They just won't let it go. The NCAA attorneys are arguing the Paternos wrongly contend the NCAA extorted an unwilling Penn State into accepting the sanctions or that perhaps the NCAA and Penn State for some reason conspired together to defame the memory of a beloved coach. The family's argument ignores reality, including a series of undisputed facts that they cannot try to seriously deny, the NCAA said. First of all, and the only thing I'm going to say about this is Joe Paterno never double-checked, period. That's all you've got to say about it. Joe Paterno never double-checked. And another thing, just on another note, after he heard about this incident, he led Jerry Sandusky back on the university campus and in the football locker rooms. Right there makes Joe Paterno, as far as I'm concerned, a guilty party. Let's move into the NBA playoff situation. But before we do that, Mark Jackson is out as coach of the Golden State Warriors. After three seasons and two playoff appearances, Jackson is gone. And it appears he was the architect of his own demise because the reasons that he was fired boil down to the issue that Jackson just was not a team player around the team's front office and even among his own coaching staff. But now, who do the Warriors turn to? They have a long list of individuals that they want to talk to about this job, and it starts out with the name Steve Kerr. You can put Steve Kerr right up toward the top of that list. 
I don't. It's going to be very interesting to, to to see how that pans out because I believe the Knicks and Steve Kerr will begin closing in on a deal very soon for him to become coach of the Knicks. I, I think you will definitely see Lionel Hollins in the mix there, the former Memphis Grizzlies coach. I, I think Fred Hoiberg is the hot college name along with Kevin Ollie. I would not rule out Stan Van Gundy. I, I think he would be a very strong presence there. And. Now the NBA playoffs. Now we can get into that. The conference semifinals are going on, and let's look at what's happening in the East, where the Indiana Pacers and Washington Wizards are tied at one game apiece, and they're moving to Washington for games tomorrow night. The Brooklyn Nets and Miami Heat, well, Miami leads that series one game to none. They played tonight. Brooklyn looking to get even. Out West, the San Antonio Spurs lead the Portland Trailblazers one game to none, and the Los Angeles Clippers and Oklahoma City Thunder are tied up at one game apiece as that series moves back in to Los Angeles and Clipperville. Now let's move over to the NHL, where the conference semifinals are going on there. And let's take a look at the East, where the Montreal Canadiens and the Boston Bruins are entangled in a very physical series. That game will be taking place on the ice here in just about five minutes. Montreal leads that series two games to one. And Pittsburgh... After their victory last night over the New York Rangers, they've won three straight. They lead that series three games to one. Out West, on tonight's schedule, out West, it will be Anaheim taking on the L.A. Kings. And that series is back in L.A. where the Kings lead the series two games to none over the number one seeded Anaheim Ducks. And finally, the defending champion Chicago Blackhawks have a two games to one advantage over Minnesota, the Wild won the other night. Game four of that series will be coming up tomorrow evening in Minnesota. So that's a look at what's happening in the NHL playoffs. Now, let's move over to baseball before we wrap up tonight's show. This is a very interesting story, one that you you really have to hear, and I'm going to play it for you, because Washington Nationals manager Matt Williams, who appears with 106.7 106.7 The Fans Junkies in Washington every Wednesday morning was involved in an actual car accident during his interview yesterday morning. He was apparently not at fault, and he managed to give play-by-play during the entire ordeal for the station while he was on the air doing the interview. Williams explained that officers were in their vehicles, and the guy they were chasing was back in his car, and the manager was looking at his wrecked Tahoe while he explained what was going on. Here is Williams actually talking to the junkies at 106.7 and explaining this entire incident. So I think he's, he's getting that. Oh, sorry, guys, I just had an accident. Oh, boy. You okay? Uh, I got a police officer behind me. This guy's going to try to escape. This guy's running. All right, hold on. Did you witness the accident or you're in the he accident? Just, he just ran right in the back of me. I just got rear-ended by a guy in a car. Hold on guy's crashing into people oh no yeah where are you okay i'm good he just there was a police car behind me and a guy in a car and he tried to get by me and he just rear he just smoked me where where are you driving right now i'm almost to the ballpark we tried to get out of his car and then he got around me and now they're my rear end is gone now can you believe how calm cool collected (laughs) william sounded on the phone after he just got rear-ended by someone who's trying to escape the police. 
this guy, just, just like it was an everyday occurrence. And the one other question that the junkies asked him, which I thought was hilarious, was if he's late to the ballpark because of this accident, does he suspend himself? Which is a great question. So if anybody had any doubts about Williams remaining calm under pressure situations, this probably answers that question. And the final story tonight, this one is really, will pull at your heartstrings. There is no doubt. I feel the WWE gets it when it comes to fan relations. They totally knock out other sports out of the park, and this explains why. The WWE is paying tribute to a young man named Connor McKaylick. Now, I hope I got that name right. He was a young boy battling cancer who appeared at WrestleMania 30 on April 6th after reaching out to his hero, wrestler Daniel Bryan. The week before the event, the WWE invited him to a Monday Night Raw event where he walked down the ramp to the ring as his famous favorite wrestlers chanted his name. And in the ring, he went by Connor the Crusher. Once Connor crossed through the ropes, they had Triple H standing there waiting for him. Triple H kneeled down and told Connor to hit him. Connor really didn't want to, but when he finally did it, Triple H went down and Connor lifted his leg and pinned him on for the three count. And the wrestlers all went wild for him. Well, Mikhailik died soon after WrestleMania 30. He did get to see Daniel Bryan win the world championship. But the WWE is remembering his story with video. You actually have to see this video. I'm actually begging you to go online and check out this video. You can see it at the WWE website or on YouTube if you search for Connor the Crusher. Trust me, it is a worth see. And our condolences go out to Connor McCalex's family on his passing just a few days ago. That's going to do it for tonight's show. Thanks for joining us here tonight for our mock draft, and I certainly hope we don't have to talk NFL football for <laughs> at least another couple of weeks. And let's just put it this way, at least for another week. I'll be back next Thursday night with another Ultimate Sports Talk show, and maybe we can look primarily at the NBA, NHL, playoffs, and Major League Baseball and anything else that's happening in the world of sports. Our thanks to Greg Mitchell for being our producer tonight, and also our thanks, most of all, to you for listening to tonight's show. Don't forget, coming up Monday night, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show, Mark Donahue and I will talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. Mother's Day coming up this Sunday. Don't forget to wish your mother a happy Mother's Day. Give her a kiss on the cheek, send her flowers, take her out to dinner. I'll talk to you again next Thursday night at 7 o'clock with another Ultimate Sports Talk Show. Until then, enjoy your weekend, enjoy your week, enjoy the draft. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.